Hello, everybody. Hello. And welcome to a climactic, apocalyptic episode of Two Gays, One Episode. It's the end. My name's Alex. <laughs> and I am Go Jesus. <laughs> Who are you? Who is this strange person on the other end of the line? Uh, uh, I am myself. I'm me. I'm worth I'm... living here. <laughs> so Good. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> End of Evangelion, and we're going to be needing to do this in probably multiple parts. EOE is really dense. Yeah. We have a lot to say about it. Um, it's either gonna it's gonna be either two or three parts. Is that right? Yes, it's gonna be at least two, probably three. Okay, maybe four. Probably not four. <laughs> uh, but we're our plan for today is to cover the general outline of everything up to the credit sequence in End of Evangelion. Yeah, if we can, and then we'll probably do a part on the rest of it. And then we'll probably do a part on... Oh, you're right, actually. This might be too much. And then we probably want to do like a deep dive into everything. Hmm. The, the meaning of it. The symbolism of it. How we feel about it. How does this scene of a naked 14-year-old make you feel, Michael? Uh, it makes uh, me feel skeeved out. Ew. It makes me feel skeeved out, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first of all, we kind of... I have your notes here open. I have Alex's notes here, um, which I've contributed to just a little a bit. So I'm just going to I'm gonna go off of... Because I've seen this movie probably an unspeakable amount of times, like 40 times or something <laughs> like that. It's really... It, it's, it's insane how many times I've watched EOE. Uh, when I first saw it as a kid, I used to watch it like on replay. Like there was one time where I saw it three times in a single day. This was like early on because it was so fascinating of a film and it was very beautiful. And, and at the time when I was like 14, it was hard to kind of wrap my head around. So yeah. I uh, would rewatch it a lot. And this was before like there was an agreed upon translation for everything, so which makes it even more confusing i mean i don't even think there is still an agreed upon translation no. for this movie <laughs> there are maybe some errors in the subtitles yeah like just grammar errors like <laughs> which are kind of weird we'll, we'll talk about it um uh, as we get to it yeah, yeah. uh i remember because i watched this with michael for the first time i remember being really overwhelmed by it then i watched it again and i was still really overwhelmed by it Did then i watched it a third time <laughs> and i was still really overwhelmed by it but now i watch it and i like really enjoy it yeah so. <laughs> it's, it's very enjoyable uh um i remember showing you all of ava within like two nights or something it was insane we like we i marathon we watched the movie it. on its own i think we watched the movie on a third day maybe or yeah maybe, it was yeah, it was on its own it, right it was like two days for the series and then one day for the movie originally uh this was back in the skype era like in 2013 yeah. or something it's it was like a long time ago uh 11 i think even longer ago yeah um so at, at the beginning of the movie there's 13 logos at the start of the movie there's like there so many logos lot. i don't know if it's 13 <laughs> it might be more uh, I, I know sega is <laughs> one of sega, them yeah production ig tv tv star Tokyo, child um star toho. child gynex obviously <laughs> toho uh yeah <laughs> there's yeah, a yeah. lot there, there's 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 a lot I, I think katakawa is one of them as well um it, 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 there was so much funding that this movie had and it was split between several different production companies um where not several but like production ig mainly yeah. and studio uh gynex were doing a collaboration on this movie and it had all the yeah. money in the world to make it as beautiful as it needed to be uh this is in stark contrast to end of tv which we haven't covered yet we plan to cover that nope. uh, after the film yeah. um so like end of the tv series episode 25 and 26 are famously like low budget and sort of hacked together uh there's a lot of references to the events that happen in this film um this is mm -hmm. a much more literal a much more budgeted and a much more like grounded take on a lot of the same events so yeah uh you want to talk about the opening scene of the film alex yeah, so the opening scene is Shinji is depressed. He's still depressed. He's probably more depressed than he was at the end of episode 24 of Evangelion. Uh, he's completely non-communicative. He's sitting by where he met Kaoru, I think. Yes. And then a Transformer box falls from a... a this is really clever, actually. It falls from a... telephone a, line, what do you call I think. Telephone pole. Yeah. Falls from the telephone pole and lands in the water, which is a shot-for-shot recreation of Kaoru's head 
falling in water. Yeah. Uh, so that's a really effective way to show what he's thinking about without literally having like some anime flashback where it's like, <laughs> the song is good. Like you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's not too much. It's just enough, and it's really, it really gives you this sinking under under your skin feeling that like ooh, oh, he's really struggling. What's really interesting to me about the opening is that you know in Ava, summer represents um type uh, this uh purgatory because the summer is like eternal and the heat is what destroyed the world and it's and it's sort of a metaphor for like uh how characters cannot progress that they're kind of repeating things like shinji going mm. on the train over and over again it's that cyclical kind of like i'm my flaws are are coming back and i am not really capable of moving on and uh and we open with just this immense heat wave like shinji is mm -hmm. like in this it's very very exposed it's very white uh the composition mm -hmm. is also split straight across uh the middle after this like really really long tilt upwards and that tilt upwards um it makes the shot feel really isolating. It makes it feel very distant. It's very like harsh, uh, very hot. And he is like dripping with either sweat or water. There's theories that Shinji tried to drown himself. Hideaki Anno famously said that Shinji is the type of character who wants to commit suicide, but is such a huge failure that he can't even do that. <laughs> So I that's, think that it's that's so dark. It's it's oh, really no. it's really Please. dark. But that is that is. I hope you got the help you needed. Um, he based it <laughs> off of himself because he was he was ready to jump from a rooftop and he couldn't do it because he was just so afraid of dying that it stopped him from doing that. And that's kind of like the headspace that Shinji's in at the beginning and then of the Ikuhara movie. was on the next rooftop humming Ode to Joy. Yeah, and uh, um. What's really interesting, you know, there is debate. Is he sweating here? Is he dripping water because he tried to drown himself? I subscribe to the drowning. I know that somebody sent me, like, storyboards from it. It was like, ah, in Japanese, this translates to sweat. And I'm like, actually, no, that just translates to water drops. So uh, it, I think it's pretty... <laughs> It's pretty ambiguous uh, what what you kind of make of this, but it's very meaningful. I think in context, it makes more sense as sweat, but I think it's a perfectly valid reading to be like, yeah, he tried to commit suicide there. Yeah. It, All some... art is subjective, except when it isn't. Death of the author, <laughs> for the most part. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. I, I just want to say something quickly about artistic interpretation, just yeah. very quickly. Art is not necessarily always subjective, but all art can be subjective. It depends on how well you can argue what your stance is. If your take is Shinji is an alien from Mars who's lying the whole time, where in the text do you, why do you think that? What's from the text that makes you think that? If you think Shinji drowned himself, you can say, well, he's dripping water. He's very depressed. It's a powerful moment. And then you, that's you all can, valid. You can bring in the author for, too and like talk about that as support as well. So it's interesting, but yeah. you can or you, you don't yeah. have to. And the author is only so much of an authority on his own work because you have your own relationship with the text they've created yeah yeah and and also they lie a lot um a lot of directors love to bs <laughs> or they forget uh yeah it, it, but some of them do lie like um the coen brothers whenever someone asks them what the meaning of their movie is they're just like it doesn't mean anything that's such bs you know it. you know it's BS. <laughs> so it's it's like they, they they can say whatever they want and um, I mean, they they even lied about like Fargo being based on a true story and stuff like that. So it's kind of uh, an author <laughs> yeah. is not really uh, a, a supreme authority Liable. on a work. But I think in the mm -hmm. case of Ava, it's it is very related to the author in a lot yeah. of ways. So it's it's much it's much easier to bring him in. I don't think it's a good thing to to do in like the story still has to work. You can't use the author to justify the quality of it. But for interpretation. I think in this case, it's a little, you know, it's it's okay to bring him in uh, a little I'm, bit. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of J.K. Rowling and all her <laughs> revisions, her Twitter revisions on her story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so author is dead, maybe, perhaps, sometimes. That's that's kind of, <laughs> yes. that's that's the... Author is dying. He's on his deathbed. He's telling you things, but you're not sure if you trust yeah, him. Yeah, he's like rambling. Drugs. <laughs> yeah. He's rambling at you, and you're like, really? Um. And uh, really? the the opening Shinji on a farm, 
Anyway, the on. opening <laughs> sequence is also really interesting because I think it ties very well into the ending. Like the first shot and the last yeah. shot really mirror each other. It, except like in, instead of Shinji being alone, kind of suffering by himself, he's with someone else at the end. I guess we'll talk about it more, but it's that yeah, it's that straight with someone. It's that straight split down the middle that that horizontal long shot where it's like slashed right across the middle uh and it's mm-hmm. and it's just really easy to connect the first and last shots which is really good filmmaking by the way if you're if you're interested in filmmaking first and last shots of something are super important and they should be meaningful it should be like a uh, a thesis statement if you can um i heard from uh one of my professors actually that the first three shots of a film need to be like a preview into the core argument that you're going to make thematically. Uh, and since Ava is about loneliness and about the self yep. and, and about relationships to others, uh, it's kind of already previewing that large, those larger themes and the larger argument. Um, it's very, it's very clever. It's intelligent as opposed to something like 3.0 plus 1.0, which has absolutely no meaning in its opening shots. And it's just the Eiffel tower. Wow. So, <laughs> We're already starting. Already, <laughs> hate mail. I can hear the the, the keys clacking away. <laughs> well, you see, speak. the Eiffel Tower is a reference to Nadia, Secret of Blue Water, which has to do with blah 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 blah. Meta. Um. Anyway, no. It's also a symbol of progress. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's what the it? movie's I about. I don't actually know. I've been uh, talking about this. It's a recent structure. It's artistic. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, Moving so on. then we have a charming, uh, quiet scene of Shinji in the hospital. Very meaningful, um, very personal. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it's very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it sent my emotions right into my hand. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, so what is this scene? What is the point of this scene? It's disgusting. What is the point? Of it? <laughs> um, I think the point in part is to justify Shinji's non-action, um, and okay. really like bring him even lower than like we want to bring him to a lower point than he was even at the end of episode twenty-four. Um, and Shinji is catatonic. He is uh, he is incapable of action. And I think if you just had yeah. Kaoru's death given the ending of episode 24 to go off of, it wouldn't justify his absolute refusal to do anything. Uh, and I think that it, yeah. it has to be gross and personal and a huge mistake. Like he has to make an additional error to justify his want being to uh, being in action where he thinks that him doing anything is just more harm than good. Uh and uh, this solidifies it, it helps justify it, and it helps uh, make the character's inability to do anything yeah. believable. Um, the the actual, like, why is something that is that is debated, where it's like... Well, I, th- I think it also hits you in the face. I think it's the main thing it does, is it hits you in the face and tells you, this movie is going to be absolutely gross. You should be prepared to be scarred by the end of yeah, this it, thing. It's, we are going to open on this. Your heroic character defiles a woman. <laughs> it's it's not a it's woman, not quite a, a sexual girl, assault, girl, really. but it is it is like the closest thing to a sexual assault that they could have done. And I, it is a defiling. I, I think th- is what the word. I for think it. the. I think if the if he had gone full sexual assault, it would have been too much. It actually probably would have been laughable, oh. like in terms of it being yeah. edgy or bad. This is is like disgusting while also being so specific that it it it, it hits you harder than if it yeah. was a sexual assault or something like that. It's it's kind of like I, I mean, it, it, I think it technically is still sexual assault. It's it's just exposure, and it's she's not conscious, so it's even worse. I mean, uh, I think. I, I'm just using sexual assault in but he's place not touching her. In, yeah, he's not touching. Yeah, in place her. of yeah, like yeah. a uh, a physical interaction, <laughs> let's just say the places this <laughs> this show takes us to is a is a boy alone in hospital? Is this still is this really sexual assault? Well, we have to consider many factors before we. <laughs> 
like, oh my god. Ah. I, I think anyway. I think it is an assault of some kind, but it's not like the yeah. traditional sexual assault that you would think of, essentially. It makes you hate Shinji, I think. Um, uh, or really pity him, at the very least. I, it makes you uh, feel things. I remember I, I made the horrible mistake of showing my mother Evangelion. Do not get into it. It's like a whole thing. But uh, when she saw this scene, she went, Shinji wouldn't do that. Why would Shinji do that? <laughs> it was like <laughs> she had she had to like sort of do a double take and and reevaluated his entire character based off of of this moment. Uh, and I, I do. Th- is it in character? Actually, that's a good question. I think he is the main character because he's the one with the most where the most choice and decision revolves around like he has the most opportunity for agency out of any character i think uh mm. in the film so it's it's like and he chooses not to which is the point he but he's presented with decisions constantly where it's like misato's like you go do this and then he's like no and then he's in the ava unit and then it's just like oh now what are you gonna do and he's like i'm gonna just scream <laughs> or like or it's like he's given instrumentality it's like you have the choice of humanity and he's like I'm going to do the worst choice ever. Like that, that, that sort of, it's a series of bad decisions. Uh, he makes bad choices. Yeah. He makes impulsive bad choices. Okay. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can buy into that. Cause I think he's a little too smart and a little too sensitive to do something like this, but like, that's my only thought. Um, um I mean, I've, I've always kind of explained it as Shinji is a very subservient character who wants to be told what to do. He's even demanding Asuka tell him what to do in the scene. He's like, call me stupid, you know, call me an idiot, you know, tell me what to do. I, I don't yeah. know what to do. And he, it's basically a, a plea for, like... He just wants any kind of attention. I don't I don't know what I should be doing with myself. Please tell me something. Like, say something. Yeah. And, and then he listens well, to his... He also feels really disconnected, and he wants any sort of connection. And even a negative one of, like, even, like... Yes. Her kicking him in the face. She, he, he just wants to feel He has no friends. He has no human connection at this point. Like, if his entire... If Kensuke was still there, he would be fine. I mean, probably. That's the funny part. Um, It's just... It's supreme loneliness. <laughs> hey, Shinji? <laughs> it's supreme... Oh my god, Kensuke. Thank god. It's... it's <laughs> wow, no one's been happy to see me before. It's supreme loneliness and desperation for human connection, and I think that's why he does it. It's just... It's just... I'm listening to my instincts... I'm being subservient. I'm also like I'm having some kind of connection with Asuka right now, even if it's like the most effed up and and horrible and worst way of doing it. And he he does it to feel something that isn't just suffering and heartache and loneliness. I think that is I think that's really the the reason. And you know, she's unconscious, he's locked in the room. He has no consequences that he can discern at this moment. And so it's it's very easy, mm-hmm. but uh, he was almost thinking with a uh, with a warped perspective on it because afterwards there's that clarity that he has where it's just like, what did I just do? Yeah, he feels so, so ashamed ashamed about it. He seems feels so ashamed about it for the whole movie. Really. Yeah, that. So it is. Yeah, it is almost the inciting incident a little bit because his shame and his. I would say it absolutely is the inciting incident. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. it's the Shinji's everyday reality <laughs> is which is the everyday starts with Shinji suffering he's lonely and then the inciting incident is he made this horrible decision this horrible mistake and this is the this is the event that is going to plague him it, it we're presenting mm-hmm. the problem the psychological problem and this is it the movie would not be as good without it i i'm 100% sure that it needs to be here uh, that you can't take it out. It, there has to be a beat like it, at least. It could have been... So. I think it could have been a little more tastefully done, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying the beat has to happen. It's not... Yeah. It doesn't have to be this exact thing, but contrast it to something like the manga, which removes it entirely. Uh, oh, wow. Because the manga adapts End of Eva, and Shinji does not do that. What happens is Asuka wakes up randomly uh he's he's not able mm-hmm. to even unzip his trousers at this point uh she just he just walks in the room he stares at her for a second he goes wow you're like kind of mean and then she like wakes up and she's like ah! 
that? And she screams at the top of her lungs, pounces onto him and starts strangling him. And then the nerve crew come in, pull her off. And then he goes, that was weird. And then moves on. And he is not in, he is not in a good headspace to justify that movie's events from that point on. So the manga has to make it so that Shinji does help Asuka and he comes to save the day in Ava Unit 1 in the, against the (laughs) Ava series and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a version of it where Shinji makes the right choices and it still forces him in that choice where it's like, I have to choose between uh, instrumentality and ending the world or, uh, stopping it and it's so much more obvious of a decision because his headspace isn't as low in the manga it's a perfect contrast it's like an, a parallel dimension of what this movie could have been and the the him making the right decision at the end for the first time is far less effective in mm-hmm. my opinion like or it's it's right. far more effective here than it is in the manga where he's just made all the right choices and then it's like not surprising that he makes the right choice at the end anyway too so (laughs) here it's there's growth and there's more of an arc and that experience that shapes him like instrumentality kind of in the film shapes him to do the right decision at the end so that's that's important i think (laughs) yeah Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, then we have, after this, so uh, we'll talk a bit about the animation a bit later. Then we kind of set up all our major players. Yeah, she's unwilling to move, and it's even revealed sort of later in the film so that she was aware of what was happening and, and everything then, like that. Uh, oh, she's so just establishes unwilling Asuka, to do actually. It shows anything that because of her mental state. She's not in a good way either um, in that scene. <laughs> Isn't that what the yeah. IV is for? <laughs> but, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. From where episode 24 left off with her. Yeah. <laughs> Struggling. But uh, yeah, anyway. So then we. Yeah. But I mean, she was dehydrated. So she's probably still recovering. Yeah. You want to talk about the bridge bunnies? Like, what do you um, think their inclusion was? 24. Yeah. Because she got those dry lips. Uh,. Then we have then we yeah. see the bridge bunnies of all characters because they have a they have a beat in this movie. Um, well, I think yeah, I I think you mentioned this. They're they're like the average Joe, right? Like they're just like the the normal people who are kind of in the middle of it. They're they're for the purposes of exposition because they have to say that like the psych barrier is passing past the point of meridian or whatever the hell. But it's like. So that, they serve that purpose, but they also serve the purpose of these are normal people, and now they're in the worst situation they've ever been in. Um, and they're drinking coffee. And then, and then we set up Masato next, I think. Masato's just in her car, and she's sad, and she's alone. Uh, you could try to. I mean, after that, believe it or not, I know people who have. She smashes the glasses, which they, will tell you immediately. This movie is not gonna. They, yeah, they enjoy it more movie. for the visual experience. The uh, if anything, Evangelion, um, and the tone, I guess, because it still, it still works as an emotional piece, but it's not. It's not really. Yeah, I, like I think plot, like it, I think character. Yeah, it's it. The movie. Yeah, you you said this really, yeah. but it's it is just a bunch of payoffs essentially. The movie's the movie is a series of of badass payoffs essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you won't get these payoffs, these character payoffs that are in the movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like, and it's like almost every episode. <laughs> it's a payoff to almost. So, what do you think like the glasses represent? Them, like her breaking them, more or less. Uh, so the 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 Ray thing yeah. that's from Ray. She's like, I'm done with Gendo. Ray one and Ray two, F him. Episodes. I'm going to um, like. She eventually like decides and, to like, shift all, yeah, instrumentality and give it to Shinji. Uh, and then we, uh, which I think is interesting. Like, oh, why yeah, do you yeah, think obviously she makes that decision? Gendo. They represent Gendo. Not much more than that. <laughs> I'm done with Gendo. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
there's like some kind of continuity happening at this point well, that's like we saw in episode 23 um, that she was crying for no reason and it was because uh, she was feeling the echoes like of ray 2, two essentially wish, so really. ray 3 is um, uh is able to almost feel or is the same person yeah. at this point like the soul is hopped uh but but she has become like um so there's this thing we talked about in our episode 23 yeah. podcast with the the doll culture of japan and how uh they can develop souls uh through experience and ritsuko says yeah. ray doesn't have a soul but part of eva is arguing i think that personhood is derived from experience and that's partly mm-hmm. like a bigger argument that eva makes because um like kaji says pain is a necessary part of the human condition uh is that like suffering is an inevitability it it educates us and mm-hmm. and helps us to empathize and feel for people who are also going through it uh it it, it is it is a terrible thing but it also is just a part of life and that's a very japanese and zen kind of belief like a zen buddhist belief that that joy and suffering are are requirements yeah go on yes yeah there's yeah i mean i think mm-hmm. i think I ava is interesting because and this might come from the it's fact that it's different writers also working on it and it's not just hideaki Anno, but there too, so are some very very overt criticisms of zen buddhism in ava and collectivism as a whole because one of the negative elements of zen buddhism is that it encourages collectivism I guess we'll talk about this later, uh, but there are Zen elements in Ava where it's like, yes, uh, it's very much in agreement with those principles, and then other Zen elements that it's like, no, <laughs> like this is this is it's effed up to not view people as individuals who are struggling in part two, and so it's it, it's it's really interesting how um, it tackles those things. But Ray herself, you're right about the reincarnation. I think that's yeah. on point. Uh, I think there's that whole like personhood is developed by experience and Ray three has sort of the soul um, in, in Ava lore, there's this thing called the door of guff and it's where all souls come from. And there were no souls Mm -hmm. that Ray, Ray doesn't have a soul, but she's kind of developed one. And I Mm -hmm. think it bounced off of the door of guff. If we're thinking about it, literally like the, the sort of soul afterlife and went right into Ray three. Yeah. (laughs) So, Maybe Ritsko did it. That's that's another possibility. Like maybe Ritsko is responsible for the continuity of Ray two and three as like a, a as a way to get back Ray. at Gendo. Maybe, yeah, they, they can pull souls from the door of Guff. I guess I don't know. Anyway, this is stuff I really want to cover in part three. Yeah, maybe Ritsko did. Yeah, I mean, it could have been part of her. It could have been part of Ritsko's, like maybe oh, like a revenge, a potential I, ace in the hole. I mean, I mean that's yeah, maybe a stretch, but it, it's not a plot point that's explored. It's not anything. It's just Ritsko's right, responsible so. for Ray three, um, uh, sort of being made, and then she magically has like Ray two in her a bit. So it's kind of it, you know, th- th- there's some connection there. <laughs> yeah. So, a point of attack is usually the yeah, thing that um, drives good. you into the second act of we're, something. We're kind of out of order, actually. So, it's Ray, like the declaration the that they're going to send the JSSDF or whatever they're called. Is that right? I don't remember. Once they start to come, that is the point of attack because that's sort of the the thing that... Okay. Never mind them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is a warning of the point of attack. Okay, so this is uh this scene actually is probably the first time I actually enjoy Sile because their 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 dialogue yeah I, they're so pointless in the show they're just there and just like constantly talking and you're like what are you talking about what does any of this mean why is any of this pertinent and um this is the first time they're pertinent because they're threatening Gendo because they're literally gonna come get him they're coming after him literally that's the plot of the movie uh and they say 
some stuff about like this is the next advancement of humanity i understand what the next advancement of humanity is that's a totally understandable concept i'm not confused by that so we kind i finally kind of get sile and then they threaten him they're like they're, he's like they're like death will be our rebirth or something and gendo is like get death solves nothing and they're like well you're gonna die soon anyway and that's the scene basically uh there is one thing this is sorry what are you gonna say Oh, I was just going to say uh, real quick that it seems like instrumentality, which is uh, sort of the wish that someone gets once mm-hmm. it, they, they sort of exposit the principles here a little bit. Um, where it's to it's, guide the pathway of humanity is what it is. Yeah, but but it's it's a Lilith entity plus an atom entity plus anti-AT field merging together so they can mm-hmm. merge together creates the situation where there's an impact that can occur and it's been prophesized by these things called the dead sea scrolls uh which they found uh and and it says instrumentality will happen once all the angels are defeated and it's just gonna happen like and it's gonna be humanity will merge together and the idea is that gendo is gonna make his version of it which probably isn't gonna look identical to what sele and what shinji end up wishing for later because shinji is in just the perfect headspace Mm -hmm. to coincidentally wish exactly for what the prophecy foretold which is what sele wants yeah but it it seems like they're gonna sele is gonna exclude gendo from instrumentality that's what they want uh and and they want to this is evolve into the next sort of yeah Reality. This is all stuff I want to cover in part three. Yeah. I think. I want to get into the, the nitty-gritty uh, religious meaning stuff. I, I think the most important thing, the, the, the practical thing is they want to decide the fate of humanity. Should humanity all be separate and in pain or should it all be together and happy? Yeah. That's what this scene is about. So that sets up the core conflict of what the movie's going to yes, be Yes. And it... Because Gendo wants one thing and Sile wants su- supremacy. Or as something. far as exposition goes in Ava, this is one of the more... Uh, pertinent slash well done (laughs) exposition sequences uh it's very it's very like pinpointed it's like okay okay no nonsense here's what we want and here's how we're gonna get it and these are the mechanics and it kind of almost brushes over it a little too quickly so that people can kind of be like baffled but if you rewatch the movie enough then you're like, oh, actually, that is some solid exposition, and I sort of understand. <laughs> I understand yeah. what, what's going on. That was my reaction when yeah. I watched it the other day, at least. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I thought that too. I'm like, oh, actually, yeah. I point to this scene a lot to explain the mechanics. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's over here. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, exposition so is imp- exposition is important. Yeah. A lot of people who talk- criticize anime, by the way, I just want to say this: they mm-hmm. hate exposition. And you guys are dumb. That no, I'm not. I'm not. Ac- <laughs> I don't actually mean that. But uh, it's it, yeah. exposition is is a necessary and even good thing as long as it's not overused. The problem with a lot of anime is that it tends to exposit things that are unnecessary to exposit or do it in a way that mm-hmm. is very um, clunky and not well integrated uh well it's like what i mentioned at the beginning when they had when they have the transformer falling yeah immediately your mind goes to the reminding of that it doesn't have a whole flashback or yeah uh, they they rely on cheap techniques like flashbacks a lot like i've been watching this anime called vinland saga and they literally had a flashback to something that happened in that episode just to remind you that it happened (laughs) a lot yeah it's 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 pretty bad Um, i guess yeah because it happens often it'll be like five minutes later they'll be like (gasps) and the flashback yeah that happened five minutes ago and i'm like i remember that i watched that five minutes ago my memory is bad but it's not that bad yeah that that (laughs) that's sort of in your face and poorly uh integrated exposition this is not my evaluation on vinland saga for any vinland saga fans out there i'm just i'm just (laughs) i'm just saying that that was an example of maybe some poorly done exposition it happens in so many anime. If you criticize that, you have to criticize most anime. It, it, I, Not this one though. Ava's uh, <laughs> Ava is pretty good about exposition. It's either it either doesn't do it or when it when it does, it's pretty fast and and pretty yeah. justified. Um, quick and painless uh, fairly justified i mean not always like part of the art of yeah. exposition is yeah. like like are you exposing it to someone who doesn't know like there's the fish out of water technique where you tell a character because they don't know something so you tell that character something there's also the exposition of of conflict where you're like 
oh, I'm mad at you, and I want to remind you about yeah. this thing because uh, because it, it'll hurt you to remind you about it. And there's also, uh, like, exposition of comedy. I've That was one that my teacher told me about, where it's like, <laughs> you exposit something because a character's really dumb, and it's funny if they do that. Like, it's, it's for comedy things. Uh, what? I've never even heard of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's several different techniques to integrate exposition in a way that doesn't bother people because the idea is that you just don't want a character talking at the audience more than than uh than the other characters they should be talking uh in a way that's like coherent like it's justified for me to say this thing to you right now that you need to know uh but it's good to have it because it's better to tell your audience something that they need to know than to have them be confused for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> so ex yeah. exposition is not evil. It's just a tool and you can misuse the tool, but it, but, but it's, it can be good. And in this instance, I think it's pretty well done. Um, it does come down to how people misunderstand show. Don't tell too. Like, they, yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're like show, show, don't tell. It doesn't that, mean just, characters do things and don't speak. It just means when characters are talking, they should be speaking with a purpose that demonstrates something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, all it means. that's what it is. It's like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with, um, for example, okay, in Star Wars episode, uh, yeah. I think it's like episode two, there's this scene where uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are in this elevator and Anakin's like, do you remember yeah. Uh, do you remember that adventure that we had? And Obi-Wan's like, yes, I remember that adventure. That was a really great adventure. We didn't get to see that because it didn't make a scene out of it. Yeah. But if, if, if it had been like Anakin talking to Obi-Wan and he was like, master and they started an argument, they have an argument that would be shown. Yeah. Yeah. Out, if they had an, had an argument. argument. Yeah. Yeah. If they were like, if they were like that one time you really effed me up or whatever and then obi-wan's yeah. like no i didn't and then they would you would be showing them fighting and it would be a scene based yeah. in dialogue but it still shows that they're like at each other's throats or something yeah. um i mean that's not the goal it should be to show that they're friends but that's just an example right it's like yeah, um yeah. there are romance movies all over the place where it's just dialogue it's just characters talking to each other like the before trilogy or her mm -hmm. uh or any of those types of things and it's and it's you know like the novice writer youtuber would just be like this is all tell don't show but it's actually Rag the youtubers it's it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of frustrating that that there's like a misinformation of this because a lot of people a lot of people who watch things they love those things they don't they don't see it as tell don't show or like gratuitous or something because those those are showing instead of telling they're using mm -hmm. dialogue to show and that's how you can do that you can be like uh, in a romance film you ask a character about themselves like another the male asks the female about themselves right but their their goal yeah. is to get to know them it's to maybe like mm -hmm. like be like do we have things in common? I'm going to pry. I'm going to like investigate. I'm going to, there's all these actions that they're doing. It's all character action because they're using dialogue to get to the heart of, of their goal. And that's, yeah, it's all show. I'm very passionate mm. about this. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's also, how do you save budget? How do you save money by like, you have two characters talking and you, how do you make that interesting? And that's where poetry comes in too. Mm. It's because poetry is how you write dialogue or phrasing or or prose in a beautiful way. How do you make it interesting to listen to beyond just the nitty gritty of it? Yeah. That's where it's really important. I used to be uh, one of those people, by the way, that thought that dialogue equaled told, uh, but yeah. Yeah. It's not really, it's not really accurate to say it that way. I don't think it's not, but anyway, so Sile are, they have access to the Japanese government. There's something about this that I noticed, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, where they're going to use their first tool at their disposal, which is the Magi. They have like seven different Magi systems in Germany and America, and they're going to use all of them to attack the Japanese Magi, which are at nerve, to take it over and then uh, control. And then they, they even have a line of dialogue like, oh, to control the Magi is to control nerve. And it's like, okay, so there are the stakes, right? You immediately understand what the stakes are. Uh, I think I think Hugo says it. And uh, so, yeah, that happens. And then they have to call Ritzko out of retirement, out of prison, um, out of her empty room with the nerve logo in the background. 
and she has to come and she's like, oh, didn't I already do this? And it's episode 14 all over again. And we have literally the exact same shot reanimated of the, the blue taking over the red. Uh, because that's how computers work. You're like, oh no, they're hacking, and then you see a visual display of it, even though no computer would ever work this way. Yeah, I remember. Uh. <laughs> I remember YouTubers in the uh, late 2000s slash early 2010s complained about the reuse, quote unquote, reuse of animation there. Um, oh, okay, it's not really I mean, it's fine. I, even if it was, it would be fine. I, wow, I'm just like <laughs> like coming in steering my car and Drag i'm like yeah yeah i'm like hitting the youtube like <laughs> but not anybody specific just vague youtubers Strike back at them <laughs> vague tweet them vague tweet them yeah yeah uh, uh <laughs> i i do think it's i don't think it is lazy to have visual callbacks it's hit- we don't hate you it we just think you're wrong <laughs> no of course we don't hate any i don't hate anybody i'm just joking I'm yeah <laughs> um but the uh what i'm saying is uh like hideaki Yano's style in general like part of his directing style is is visual callbacks and repetition of certain shots and he does this in love and pop he does this in shikijutsu he does this in his live action films as well it is just a stylistic choice to have a, a shot that mimics something earlier i think it's been reanimated i think it's been at least recompiled i don't think that it mm-hmm. is a lazy uh thing to use they got the light box out and they traced it yeah <laughs> um. probably i mean yeah <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> um uh or they or they reshot it on 35 millimeter with some of the same cells but either way it's it's like one or two instances of reuse shots in a movie that is immaculate seconds of the movie it's like really beautiful and there is no cutting corners for the most part i mean there were production problems we can talk about that later uh but not to the degree that i mean this is one of the most like i'd love it if they reused those like fulfilled those those bridge scenes of like oh no masato's holding the chair and uh yoba's reacting to something and like they don't do those yeah they don't they don't anything character <laughs> they don't reuse those shots they reuse like 20 times in the series like not even like a couple of times they've used those so many times yeah it this um, is a, a mac it's one of the best looking animated films ever i want to say like i've ever seen mm-hmm. uh and i've seen a lot of animation um <laughs> uh yeah I, I'm sure most of our viewers have. I've even seen... See, I'm including the viewers now in the podcast. The Boy and the White Mare, I think is what it's called. That was a pretty animation. Oh. But I've seen I've seen some obscure things. And this is still really beautiful. Like, yeah. I mean... Uh, you can tell Production IG was involved. Because Production IG is, like, immaculate. I think they're known for, like, being super immaculate. Yeah, they did Ghost in the Shell and stuff like that. Like, the original yeah. Ghost in the Shell, the movie. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Or was that Madhouse? No, I think it was production IG. Uh, they did <laughs> Ghost of Shell standalone complex. At least I know that hundred <laughs> percent. It's and that show looks good too. <laughs> so. Yeah, TV. It's good TV animation, and I don't think they reuse shots of uh, Shigeru Yoba in that. Just like cut his hair differently and make him look like the character <laughs> from Ghost in the Shell. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah. So the JS, and then because the Magi uh, attack fails, Ritsuko repels them. Uh, we have a brief mention here of, isn't that right, mother? Which sets up something that happens later, but it's all just a, a callback to her relationship with her mother, which is kind of the core um, issue of Ritzko is her relationship. Yeah, the supercomputer has an AI that replicates aspects of her mother. So she yes. she kind of like identifies with it as being her mother in part. Basically. So, yeah. Basically. Uh, and then we have this brutal, brutal scene of these soldiers invading these, like, rent-a-cops, basically, at Nerve. Like, like the JSSDF are, like, actual soldiers, and they are just slaughtering the, the uh, I don't know why I'm laughing, but they're slaughtering the Nerve personnel. At the, they stab one in the back. They they just brutalize them. Then an explosion goes off. You see all their like weird helicopter things flying down. It's just like constant energy action. It's very overwhelming. After this really sort of sleepy slow intro, you have this like explosion of action, which is great. Very cool way to do the pacing. I think it's um, also really like a purposeful irony that like 
humanity is going to kill or be the cause of humanity. It's not the angels. Yeah. Right? So it's humans on humans. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the brutality of man. At being um, Ava is part of the kaiju genre and it's sort of, it's sort of undercutting it in a really clever way by having humanity be the actual threat. Uh, the final threat. So, yeah. And I, I also just really like soldier scene where you see soldiers. It's it's intimidating, um, and I think it's very well done here. I think it, it's better done here than I've seen in a lot of things. Oh yeah, it's very spooky, um, and the music helps with that too. The, you know, yeah, Shirasagi Shirasagi Suits. Suits. Every track in this movie is so good. I remember all of them. I listened to the OST for you. We probably more than anything, a lot of other things that I listened to. Dun, 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 dun. It's like stuck dun, in my dun, head dun, forever. Dun, dun, dun. They love that music cue. <laughs> they they do you they do overuse it a little bit. It's like ten times in this first act. Every time they end a scene, they're like, "Oh no, the Magi!" Yeah. Oh no, soldiers are coming. <laughs> it keeps doing that. Uh, it's very rhythmic, though. I like that that track. Um, I used it in a university presentation once, actually, when I talked about something intimidating. I played. It. <laughs> you were talking. You mentioned like- you mentioned the energy of of uh, these scenes in general, and I just wanted to yeah. highlight that, like, you know, Hideaki Anno, uh Part of his style, I think, as an animation director. I mean, this is true of Karikano. It's true of Nadia to a degree as well. Um, his, God, Shin Godzilla even. His his <laughs> scenes are rapid fire. They they're very yeah. high energy a lot of the time. Um, you know, I was told I told you this story already, but I was told by a professor to watch some of my favorite movies and have a stopwatch and just count how long the scenes are. And yeah. scenes in movies are very fast a lot of the time. And you don't really it doesn't really yeah. feel that way because it's reusing a lot of the same locations. And so you're kind of just generally in the same spaces. But um a movie scene on average is anywhere between like thirty seconds to one minute thirty seconds. And right. and it just keeps the pace going pretty high. Uh and in animation mm. it can get really, really slow at times where you can uh like a lot of um animated uh films are are very like they can sometimes drag things out like you know we talked about ghost in the shell for example like those scenes are like sometimes two to five minutes long <laughs> so but there's right. something much more film that's a procedural show though yeah yeah that's a genre thing. yeah maybe it's mm-hmm. maybe it is yeah in the case of of the original ghost in the shell um uh but that sort of snappier fast-paced type of thing mm-hmm. is seen as good form a lot of the time in live yes. action and western film and ano definitely directs his work in that way where it has that same quality yeah. it's very cinematic it's very like live action adjacent which is which is cool mm-hmm. so well, it's also a good way to make the exposition interesting because you'll have like it's like oh we have a scene with all the generals in the boardroom well cut that between the fight going on and show that okay they're talking about the fight show the fight at the same time that's basically what they do so we'll have scenes with uh they'll have scenes with um the uh they'll have scenes with the bridge crew it's the bridge crew i'm talking about they'll be talking about the action we'll cut to the action we'll cut back to the bridge crew and they'll be explaining what's going on so you kind of understand the context of things and you're seeing it happen at the same time so it is both viscerally interesting and also you understand it which is really neat yeah uh there's also there's also uh there's also like so the scene of normally in the show they would just cut to the to the bridge immediately it's not a bridge the command room immediately and Masato would be standing there and they'd be like the, the men are attacking and this is happening da 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 but because it's a movie we have this cin- super cinematic scene of her walking down a hallway on a cell phone she undoes her hair she whips it in the wind and uh, <laughs> she's like takes an elevator up to the action and it's like oh that's just so much more visually interesting and dynamic than just you know a, a steady shot of the display window where they look at everything it gives you the same feeling of like of like a person coming out of retirement to to take command or something like that <laughs> a little bit yeah it, it's 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 that same sort of directing that you'd expect from that and uh i really appreciate it it's not that misato has you know hasn't been in charge for the last angels but i think mm. it really shows that she is taking a very active role compared to some of the previous episodes where maybe like yeah, kaji was on distracted. her mind a little bit and she's like kind of yeah yeah so this unfurling of the hair it's like 
I'm ready to play ball with these guys. And I think it's just so cool. Like they, mm-hmm. they direct her really super neat. cool in, in this movie in general. She is very cool. And she, <laughs> she's the action hero. Her and Asuka probably are like really the action heroes of the movie. Cause Shinji doesn't actually have a, yeah. Shinji is lame. He's so, a lame. Shinji's lame. He's a lame. But that's why I like him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, but it is funny to me that all the women really have like these, they take a lot of charge, like even Ray, right? She like, totally undermines gendo and stuff and uh, it's there's a strong force of like all the female characters are at their a game here and are ready to do stuff which is which is cool so Mm -hmm. and and shinji's not and uh (laughs) shinji and gendo do the equivalent of twiddling their thumbs most of the movie (laughs) so they do yeah uh, <laughs> then so fight scene bakalite blah 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 action 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 lots of action and then i think the next really relevant thing that happens is masato sees shinji on the view screen and oh no he's depressed oh he's not he's doing any he's gonna die if he <laughs> he's gonna die they have to and again setting up the stakes the three pilots are what they're after they want to kill the pilots to stop people from using the evangelions masato's like okay we better better get them to safety or Shinji, and then she has to rescue Shinji. So it's, it's clearly giving you the uh, crumbs to keep you going through the movie. I like how breadcrumbs. I like how breadcrumbs. I like how Gendo's like the JSSDF are here. I'm gonna go get Ray, and then Masato's like the JSSDF are here. I'm gonna go get Shinji, and then nobody's like I'm gonna go get Oscar. <laughs> just dump her in the well, bottom of the lake. <laughs> just put her in the bottom of the lake. She'll be safe there. It's fine. She'll be okay. She's in a coma. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, half starved, dehydrated, in recovery. We don't know. We couldn't save stick her, her in the avionet and um, send her to the bottom of the lake. I didn't know that we had. A, she'll be safer there. It's like I didn't know that we had a way to evacuate them to the bottom of the lake. But sure, send them there without anyone noticing either. Like no one knew it. Oh no, they did. I, I guess they did know because they were launching bombs down there. But I mean, I, 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 it's, it is plausible that it shows us plenty of times that the Ava units can be. Uh, basically they have plenty of extraction points where there's like, uh, they have ways to get pretty much anywhere in the geo front if they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really funny to yeah, imagine so just like, tubes. like, yeah. uh, Misato shooting Asuka up, uh, this elevator shaft and then she's just dumped <laughs> at the bottom of the like, <laughs> <laughs> like fetal position They're... and all. <laughs> God, there are... Uh, I don't think there's really much to say about the scenes of Ray. Just flo- there's palate cleansers. They're, they're, they break up the action. Just Ray floating in the LCL, and Gendo comes get, and comes comes and get her. That's pretty much it. We can talk more about that later. And then uh, there is one thing though: the army is killing unarmed civilians, which I didn't really understand. But then I noticed in the scene with the prime minister, which is a little later, he's saying like, "I can't believe Nerve would have the." nerve i didn't mean to do that to to do third impact and destroy humanity what were they thinking and then i started to realize oh to get the jss f to do df to do this they lied to the prime minister and said nerve has betrayed us they're going to start a third impact you have to intervene now yeah and yeah so that's interesting that's a little bit of political background which i i I got i got it this time (laughs) yeah there 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 is a almost like a criticism i guess of i mean like ano likes this a lot because shin godzilla is a huge criticism of the japanese infrastructure and uh military or lack thereof uh and how they handle crises and in this case they're very easily manipulated like the the japanese Mm -hmm. prime minister and the government which might be some slight shade on them to maybe like <laughs> it's like maybe you're overreacting a little bit japanese government <laughs> but uh it, it is interesting because they, they could have said that these soldiers are not the jssdf that they are that they belong to sele right. and they're just sele units yeah. or something but uh, like they chose specifically to make them the japanese yeah. military and have it uh, have it be like J- japan working against its best interests or japanese yeah something or strategic defense force yeah um because they they don't actually have a real military in japan like america came in we demilitarized them they so they're so they have to have don't have a military yeah they have to have some sort of special forces unit that's not military be the military uh yes. yeah it's a mm-hmm. um I guess you could say it's more of like what you'd think of like 
maybe a secret service type of thing but yeah um sort of yeah it's like the national guard yeah like, like a national is, guard it is basically an army but it's not called an army so that it doesn't violate a treaty um, um yeah 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 <laughs> uh um i want to talk about two things uh as well which okay. is one i really like the fact in this movie that ano uses or whoever maybe it's not ano well mm-hmm. this movie's the first half Maybe is directed Anno. by Tsurumaki. We didn't say who wrote or directed this, but it, I mean, it's a lot of Anno. Yeah, it's a lot of Anno. It's, the first half was directed by uh, Kazuya Tsurumaki, who is the creator of Fuli Kuli and the director of that. Um, he just does whatever Anno says anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, he's he's Anno's underling, for sure. Uh, <laughs> his, uh, his very own Ray, his very own personal Ray that hasn't found the way to okay. rebel yet. Uh <laughs> No. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. That's, that's a kind <laughs> to show him the way. Um, <laughs> the uh, the um, there's a lot of quiet moments that sort of are interspersed with the fast and loud and bombastic stuff. We mentioned before that like mm-hmm. there's Ray floating in the tub uh, in in uh, the Ava graveyard, uh, for example, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of there, and it's just a her a shot of her chilled and then i think it's immediately contrasted with this like this big movement i think it's the ava unit being ejected or something like that <laughs> like this kind of really mm-hmm. uh loud thing um I-, I could be misremembering um i don't have the movie in front of me right now but it's it is contrasted with something there's a lot of really loud ener- scenes with energy like that yeah yeah that's how it makes the energy even more powerful is contrasting quiet yeah. scenes with high energy scenes which is i think something that this movie does really well it has it has those quieter soft moments and the really big loud stuff yeah. and it's, it's the, yeah. the oscar stuff is a good example of that actually where she's at the bottom of the of the let's get into that now actually where she's at the bottom of the the what is it is a pond a lake bottom of the lake going i don't yeah over and over again quietly calmly and then uh and it's not in two mind but a missile drops down and blows up right next to the ava and she screams and she's like upset about it because you know it's it's stressful but it's it's like a good use of different energies to give you different levels levels are like the most important thing in visual art any visual art any music whatever you need you want levels you want to hit different things so that it's more dynamic and interesting um yeah, so then we have Asuka going, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. Universal thing, right? Nobody wants to die, really. Um, Monster told me that. Uh, <laughs> no one really wants to die. I don't know, my instincts and, uh, told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your instincts, yeah, really, your animal instincts uh, encourage you to not stand in front of a moving train. Um, but we also hear, underneath that, we hear the voice of her mother going, I'll keep you safe, I'll protect you, you're not going to die, I'm here to protect you. Which so you sh- it shows how her mother, who she thought abandoned her and who she thought um, didn't care about her, really does care about her. She's been here the whole time, and so Oscar's been looking for attention, and the attention of her mother has been within arm's reach. She just couldn't see. Her. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that it's almost it's almost framing the previous episodes as she refused to listen or even to find her there. Right where mm-hmm. uh, like Ray lectures her about that, she's she goes in front of the Ava, Ava Unit two in episode twenty two and tries to talk to it and then thinks that she's being dumb, uh, that it's not real, it's not living, uh, and it's in in this scene of desperation that she's finally able to mm-hmm. kind of like hear that voice that's been calling out the whole time, uh, and really kind of connect with her mother because this is a scene about mm-hmm. a mother and a daughter reconnecting for the first time in years and it's that's what really it's about and so it's about family and that's what makes it so powerful it's about, <laughs> it's about family that's what makes it so powerful yeah yeah <laughs> legit actually but it's actually about family it is <laughs> and that is what makes it so powerful about it's about parents and children really but yeah 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 <laughs> um and and part of Asuka's problem in general is not being able to really, uh, or, or her refusal to connect to others because of being so kind of like ego driven and egocentric as a form of defense. And so it's like her connecting to her mother gives her power and human connection and human bonds are the strength that keeps the, it's the fuel mm-hmm. supply uh, that keeps the fire burning and uh, in Ava, which I really like. I, I like that. You know, Shinji's a mama's boy. That's why he gets along best with his Ava. 
Yes, so. Mama's boy. <laughs> oh, and um, anyway, yeah, I was gonna say I think this is a good point to end our part one. So this is part one of one. Yes, this is. And death, you know, and and actually, one. this is pretty close to where in Death and Rebirth it it ended as well. Yeah, this is probably about the end of Act Two. Um, of oh, it, the first it, part yeah, of considering it a for each episode, quote unquote, half of EOE is four acts. This is like halfway through um and yeah. uh halfway through the first half so the first quarter yeah yeah this yeah it's the first quarter of the movie and and yeah. this is this is in like in in if we're looking at it like a television episode the yeah. end of the first act is when um essentially when Sales uh decides to say that we're not going to resolve this peacefully and they send in the military forces and then there's a shift which is a opportunity for victory against Sele, which is Asuka, the the shining hope that penetrates the darkness, and that's kind of like uh, that at twenty four minutes in, uh, Asuka makes that connection, and so this is yeah, the, this is probably the most powerful moment for her character. Is she's at the bottom of the lake? She's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then she goes, I don't want to die. And then her mother appears to her, and it's almost a perfect parallel of that moment from twenty four where she saw her hanging with the red it's like a green background holy light behind her and her hand is extended out to her and says i'm here i'm here oscar it's really powerful i'm getting a little choked up yeah (laughs) and it's i also want to say as well is that she's in a forest at this point and and this is something that not a lot of people talk about but right like the forest is sort of this union kind of idea of like the dark woods like when you're at your lowest Mm -hmm. point you'll be in this dark forest and it's a very um Jungian sort of psychological principle uh like to use like Mm -hmm. a dark force as a metaphor for the entanglement of the mind and so like uh her mother is leading her out of this dark forest and into the light and it's kind of like uh it's really beautiful powerful imagery when she reaches out to little oscar's hand and i think it's also a metaphor that she grows up in an instant too like where oscar's like she transforms from a little girl people need to this the teenager that she is and stuff. Exactly. So. It's really powerful. I'm getting a little choked up. And Asuka <laughs> rises out of the lake, ready to kick some ass. And so will we. It'll be a minute for us, but it'll be probably next week. Yeah. You'll see part two of part one. We're going to make it Death shorter. Uh, next week. The waits between. Little. Yeah. Yes. For these multi-parters, we'll do them week to week anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We'll see you then. See you next week. Bye. For Bye. Now.